Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giants huddle Podcast. John Schmelk joined by, from the record, the beat reporter for the Giants, Art Stapleton. Art, how are you, man? What's up, John? We're, we're getting there. It's it's the countdown to uh, our abbreviated summer, right? Yes, minicamp is in, is in the books. It's all done. We have a couple little things left, but I figured this is a good time to, to catch up with you. We talked before the Giants went through their offseason at the Combine, what they should do. We've seen what they have done now, and we'll kind of talk about exactly uh, how their offseason looks. So I guess let's do that first. Take off in the airplane, get to 40,000 feet, look yeah. down. What do you think about what the Giants did this offseason? I think they had two priorities. Obviously, let's put the business side of it, the contracts aside for a second as far as, you know, Daniel Jones and, and what's you know happening with Saquon and everything else. The reality is that I think they identified two things from last year's team that they needed to improve. That was speed on offense, really speed on both sides of the ball, but speed on offense. I think they accomplished that. And on defense, the run defense. What to do about up front to complement Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. I think they've done that. And I think putting Bobby Okereke in that spot against the run now gives you a, a linebacker inside that can go sideline to sideline. We saw firsthand what he did last year at MetLife in that uh, disaster of a game for his team, the Colts at the time. Yeah. Uh, and I think, so those two, I think were the priorities. I think Joe Shane talked about that and he went out and he accomplished that. Now we'll see when they get on the field, if it translates from paper to production, but I do think that that's that's really the two biggest needs for this team uh, globally, and I think they went out and they definitely put their you know stamp on both of those. Yeah, and I, I get, let's start the offense first because you mentioned speed, right? And I, something that Brandon Brown actually said when he spoke to the media on Tuesday struck me. I think that it was a very generic question, like what was your goal and goals of this offseason? And he didn't say speed specifically, but he did say, look, we need more explosive plays on offense. Yeah, and. Look, this team was better offensively last year, but they still weren't where you need them to be, right? So you need to get chunk plays. It's hard to sustain eight-play drives, nine-play drives, and, and score touchdowns. You have to be really good in the red zone. To get explosive plays makes your life a lot easier on offense and a lot easier to score seven on drives instead of three. And I think that was the reason for the speed where – you want to try to give Daniel Jones some chances to make plays down the field because there just weren't enough of them last year. The only vertical threat you really had last year was Darius Slayton. Yep. And every time they went vertical to Slayton, defenses knew 
it was coming. You know, you're you're not going to draw safeties elsewhere when you're working underneath, 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 and you have one guy to go deep. And that's essentially what they had last year. Now, that's no disrespect to the player involved or anything else, but that certainly helps Slayton when, if you're running Waller deep on the other side, something I saw on Tuesday's minicamp practice, and again, John, you know, Dable made a, a point to say, we're not doing competitive periods 11 on 11. It's all walkthroughs in, in the spring. So what we're seeing, we kind of have to guess. We kind of have to you know, insinuate, okay, here's how the defense will react. Here's what the Giants will want to do and attack them. But some simple plays of sending Waller deep and clearing out the underneath and having Paris Campbell come across yeah. with his speed, there were four straight plays that I counted in my notebook in minicamp practice on, on Tuesday where Daniel Jones hit uh, Paris Campbell coming across the middle. They were different routes. They weren't just, you know, drags underneath shallows, that kind of thing. And it just seemed to open everything up. And I think that's really what this offense wants to do. Uh, Brian Dable, Mike Kafka and the rest of the offensive coaching staff want to sit down, play a chess game, and say, here's what we're going to do. We are going to manipulate your defense. And I think now they have some more pieces that they can do that uh, with this season. Yeah, and look, I think the impact of Waller, too. You know, you talk about a vertical threat with Slayton, but it's more than just chucking the ball deep 20, 30 yards Absolutely. in the air. You want to get those, you know, 17-yard deep in cuts, those those deep over routes that are, you know, you catch him 16 or 17 yards down the field, maybe you run another 15, you get 30 out of him. And I think that's where Darren Waller comes in, right? I mean, he's technically a tight end art, but let's be honest, he's basically going to be their ex-wide receiver. He's yeah. going to be the guy that they trust in tight areas and over the middle of the field to win one-on-one. -on -one. And he really is, is going to be the linchpin that keeps safeties in the middle of the field to give Jalen Hyde and Darius Slayton room to get deep. He's going to be their go-to guy. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. I mean, I think they'll be searching for mismatches that they can create with Darren Waller. And I think, you know, you look back, I mean, I've heard some fans, like the fans that, that kind of aren't buying into Waller completely say, well, look, the Giants had Evan Ingram. How come they didn't use him? Different player. It was a different player, a different mm -hmm. offense. But that was always the frustration is that the way the Giants were, whether they were forced to use Evan Ingram the way they did, they just didn't seek mismatches. They basically ran curls and comebacks with Evan Ingram. They're not going to do that with Darren Waller. Darren Waller is going to be across the middle. I like what you said about the over routes because when the Giants did hit big plays last year, that over route, I mean, and I'm being a, a novice in what it was. I don't know exactly what they called the route. But I think of they hit Saquon on one in London. That was a huge play mm -hmm. that, you know, just those kind of plays that I think open up everything else. And I, I do agree with you that Waller, I mean, from what I've seen, I mean, I, I, I know number one, they, they, they want, you want to see him healthy. I mean, it, you know, at this point he, he seems to be on a good path, a good trajectory, but um, it, boy, that was a, a huge swing that they took to bring Waller here, and I think they do have big plans for how Waller affects everybody else. And, you know, another thing Brandon Brown said the other day, which just kind of struck based on what you talked about, he talked about it's important to understand the market each offseason, right? Understand where there's surplus and where there's scarcity. And I think when the Giants went out there and got Darren Waller, when they looked at the market, they said, look, there's a scarcity of wide receivers available. Yeah. There's nobody good in the free agent market. Uh, 
not really in trade availability because the guys that maybe are availability via trade are making so much money you can't fit them in. Right. And then the draft really didn't have that pure number one that might be there. There were some good players, but not somebody they're going to plug in as that you know big number one wide receiver. And I think they said, look, Waller's the best chance we have here, especially at the price they're able to get him at art. And his contract wasn't big either, very reasonable, where you can bring somebody in here, really impact the passing game, and it's not going to hamstring you in other areas. Yeah, and if you, you talk about that wide receiver list in, in free agency, I remember Paris Campbell being one of the guys that I said I can see them liking. Uh, you know, he's not a wide receiver one, but if I'm looking for a, a game-changing wide receiver in this offense, uh, Paris Campbell can go towards that. The fact that they got Paris Campbell but also added Darren Waller, I think, says a lot about this you know, this plan that they put together. And I think it was very calculated. And I think, look, they are taking some risks. They're assuming some risks. You've got guys who, you know, I know that whole line of, you know, injured guys get injured. So let's see. Let's hope that they can work on a plan and keep those guys healthy. Uh, but I do think that it was a calculated plan and a, and a good one to get to them to this point. And I think they have, I think we've kind of seen what they like in terms of wide receivers. And they've kind of put the receivers into three different buckets for me, Art. You have your bigger guys, your Isaiah Hodgins, your Colin Johnsons, your Bryce Ford Wheatons, uh, your David Sills. Those are kind of like your bigger possession type guys, right? right? Then you have your speed guys. You have Darius Slayton, you have Jalen Hyatt, who are your speed merchants kind of outside. Then you have your group of slots, where the Giants have a ton of those guys. Right. Sterling Shepard, uh, Paris Campbell, different body types, but they both will play in the slot. Wanda Robinson, Jamison Crowder. And that's kind of how you separate them in the buckets. And I think you see the type of roles that you're going to want from those guys and how they kind of come together in this offense a little bit. I think last year in talking to Joe Shane, you know, press box chats and what have you during the course of the season – I think he was very conscious of the fact that what they were missing last year was depth, depth at a lot of different positions. And that was obvious. You know, the roster reconstruction was not going to take one season. I do believe that they made a concerted effort to kind of give themselves some insurance at different spots. Because yeah. everybody's looking at it now and saying, oh, the numbers, the numbers, where are these guys going to make the team? Where are they going to make the team? They don't have to make that decision until Labor Day weekend, essentially. And if everybody is healthy, then they will thank their lucky stars and say, boy, now we have to make hard decisions. It's a good problem to have. Maybe some of these guys end up on, on the practice squad. You have the veteran exceptions now, so you can almost move guys around. But I do think that they've covered themselves to the point where, you know, look, they can take a little bit of extra time with Sterling Shepard and Wandale Robinson and not be forced to say, well, we think that Wandell is going to be ready for the season. If he's ready, great. But you're not going to have to force him there. And I think, you know, you've got guys like Jameson Crowder here who can be in the mix. And look, if, if Shepard and Wandell are healthy, I don't see Jameson Crowder on the 53-man roster. It'll be tough. Could he be on the practice squad? Well, he's a veteran. He might want to be here and be a part of this. And knowing that, look, if one of these guys goes down, I'm right in this offense and I have an opportunity. So those are the kind of things that I think uh, we may see play out over the summer. Right now, they've covered themselves well. No one's told me this. This is just kind of my feel, Art. I, I almost kind of feel like this is going to be a situation where it's a position by committee at wide receiver. Well, I don't think we're going to have every game three wide receivers playing 80 to 90 percent of the snaps i think you're going to see different guys in different positions in different roles you know 
Slayton's going to play snaps, and so is Jalen Hyatt, right? They're yeah. both going to be out there. You mentioned all those slot guys. If they're healthy, we're seeing Paris Campbell and Wondell Robinson. And, like, we're seeing all these guys. I think you could see five or six wide receivers kind of rotating in and out throughout the game, depending on your game plan every week. Yeah, I mean, I think that's no question is what Brian Dable and Mike Kafka want to do. I mean, you, you look at Buffalo and the way Buffalo was constructed and how Dable constructed that offense up there. You look in Kansas City with the way Mike Kafka saw Andy Reid's offense work. I mean, there were a lot of similarities in terms of even look at Kansas City last year and the way they manipulated their receivers around. I mean, who was the main guy? And I'm not making the comparisons to Travis Kelsey with Darren Waller, but the offense was kind of built around the tight end position and watch that guy go and create mismatches for everybody. And you look at Kansas City. One week it was Juju. The next week, you know, Robinson's out there making plays. You know, um, I'm not even going to put Kadarius Tony into that mix, but he made four or five plays in that offense that all of a sudden are game changers. And I think that's kind of what you're going to see with the Giants offense. It's going to frustrate a lot of fantasy owners. I oh, tell yeah, you that I, absolutely. Uh, every week is going to be, who should I play? Who should I play? But there are guys who are going to earn their spot here. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins is one. I mean, there, there are people, you know, who keep want, you know, you're going to want to force Jalen Hyatt opportunities and you're going to want to, what, what are we going to do with this guy or that guy? Isaiah Hodgins, because of the way he plays and the trust he has with this coaching staff, he's going to be a constant in this offense. Like I could see that guy not being the one that's rotated yeah. out. I could see him on the field because he's just, he's a good route runner. He has a good sense with Daniel Jones, a good rapport. That the only guy built. that might have something to say about that is Colin Johnson. If he's an absolute monster it's in the true. summer, he's the one guy that I think could be interchangeable with Hodgins. That is bit. true. But I do think that, you know, Colin still has, you know, things to show this summer that he's gotten back. And we're all working off of how dominant he was in training camp last year. He didn't even get to show during the regular season of what he's doing. So is this just translating against the Giants defense that he knows the Giants defense well and makes plays? But I do agree with you. I I think Colin Johnson is one of those X factors. But he's another guy that, you know, maybe he ends up on the practice squad. He's a call up every week and he's involved in the Mm -hmm. offense. We just have to see. But they definitely have set themselves up up uh almost like i said an insurance factor knowing that some of these guys are going to get hurt everybody has teams you know every team has guys that get hurt we'll see who's left standing in september last thing offensively before we switch over to the defense here art to me aside from obviously the quarterback and waller the other most important guy on this offense is evan neal i mean he's a guy where he doesn't need to be andrew thomas where he's like, you know, on all pro ballots and, you know, pro bowl consideration. Be nice, sure, but he doesn't have to be that. If he can just creep towards middle of the league offensive tackle, that would go a real long way, especially in this division against those pass rushers. You know, he's going to see Micah Parsons. He's going to see Hassan Reddick. He's going to see uh, all those players on the commanders, right? Chase Young, go through it. Josh Sweat uh, from the Eagles. So he's going to have to deal with all these guys. Um, and if he can just be a little bit more consistent, that will allow them to utilize all those kind of weapons we talked about. Because as much as people talk about the interior, for me, that right tackle spot is is probably most important. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Evan Neal, I, I was making a list of, you know, for a story, you know, the top five guys who can change the season. Yeah. And Evan Neal is right up there. And I do think 
Look, what I like about Evan Neal from the moment he walked in here is he's got a good head on his shoulders. He has an awareness of who he is, and he doesn't seem to be satisfied with any of the positive things that he can do. Now, there was a lot of negative last year, uh, and it seemed like when it started, it just started snowballing. Mm -hmm. The reality is, is that he seems to have gone to work on what didn't work for him last year. He's talked about his balance and, you know, how he can get quicker out of his stance. That's why he worked with, you know, Willie Anderson. Yep. And uh, I'm sure Bobby Johnson was influential on that. I, I hadn't heard. I'm looking forward, you know, to hearing from Bobby Johnson. But the idea that, you know, Bobby was talked about, you know, with Evan, things to work on. Uh, and and I, I just think that I think Neil will make that jump this year. I, I do. I think I, so, too. I, I don't know. You know, maybe he's Andrew Thomas in year two. Right. You know, that, that's the reality. Look, he might not be Andrew Thomas. I mean, look, it, by the end of this season, we might be talking about Andrew Thomas as the best left tackle in football. I mean, you might have that conversation now. Correct. Uh, so I, I do think that Evan Neal is a big part of this team, and uh, he needs to be. And I think this team – kind of has embraced Evan Neal a little bit. You look at the showing at his camp yeah. down in Florida, mm-hmm. The essentially the entire offensive line group plus Aziz Ojolari went down to Okeechobee, I believe his hometown mm-hmm. is, and were there for Evan Neal. I think that says a lot about Evan Neal. You know, some people have, have brought out, you know, Giants fans have nightmares about Eric Flowers. He's not. This is not an Eric, Eric Flowers, Flowers situation. No. Eric Flowers in my dealings with him and not many personal conversations, but Eric flowers believed he had it all figured out the moment he walked in here. Uh, that is not the case with Evan Neal. He's willing to work. He's willing to work on things that did not go well. Wants for him. to get better. And, right. He cares. He cares. And I think, uh, you know, I think, look, they're going to be ups and downs. And like you said, you gave the list of guys that he's going to go up against, you know, guess what? You're going to get beat by those guys. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. You know Everyone does. I mean, Andrew Thomas does. They all do. Yeah. I mean, back in the, in the giants, you know, the, the last two Super Bowls. I mean, Kareem McKenzie didn't put up a zero every day. Right. You know, David deal, when he was playing right, that little right tackle, he didn't put up zero. I mean, DeMarcus Ware, if you talk to David deal about DeMarcus Ware, <laughs> wasn't great all the time. Right. I, I mean, that line line as a whole wasn't great. Uh, yeah. for in 2011, but they found a way to do it. Uh, so I, I do think you, you hit the nail on the head. Evan Neal is a big part of this. And do you start the rookie at center? I think that is a big, that is a big thing that we're going to talk about once the pads go on. All the analysis yeah, sure. that we've done for the offensive line and defensive lines really to this mm-hmm. point have all been projections. Do you think, okay, I'll, I'll sneak in one more rapid fire on offense. Will Ben Bredesen be an offensive line starter? I think for position. Will he be a starter week one? I think that has to do with Joshua Azudu. I think if Azudu uh, takes those steps in the summer, works on things in pass protection, uh, because I thought he was very good in the run game. I agree. Uh, when he was healthy and playing well last year at times. Uh, I think Azudu will get to that left guard. I do know that Bobby Johnson likes Ben Bredesen a lot. So... You know, it's one of those push and pull, like how quickly do we give that job to Zudu? Uh, do we want to keep Bredesen fresh and make him the top reserve where... And, and by the way, Bredesen's not old. It's like his no. fourth season. He's, no. he's a young player. And it's funny, I think uh, when they made the trade with Baltimore, everyone just buried him and said, oh, he's done, he's done, he's done. And, and he's here now. And, you know, I, I think he has a good role on this team. Ideally, I think the glamorous lineup 
the ones that fans would go crazy over would be Azudu at left yep. guard and uh, Schmitz. obviously Schmitz mm-hmm. at, at center. Uh, Mark Lewinsky is always a name that comes up with Giants fans. I know I'm sure you hear it too. Yeah. The idea of he did not have a great year. And I always last tell everybody year. he's the starting right guard this year. Right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, but do do they get to a point? Would they get to a point where somehow Azudu and Bredesen are the guards and Glowinski is not in there? I'm not sure. I think we've uh, ways to go before. I think that, that would yeah. be an in season thing if if that, but um yeah, I mean, as I'm telling you this, I think Azudu eventually would be the left guard. But the more I talk about it, they'd probably go Bredesen to start at left guard and have Schmitz at center just based on uh, what Bredesen was able to do last year and Azudu coming back from the injury. Same page. All right, defense. Up front, you mentioned adding the help in the run defense, yeah. right? So I guess my question is, are we going to see the snap counts for, for Dexter and Leonard go way down? Because they were up around 80 to 85, 90% in most of these games. Are they going to get down to where we usually see defensive tackles in like the 60 to 70% area? Because you have Nacho, you have a Sean Robinson that can step in and, you know, because when those guys were off the field last year, it was bad. Yeah. And that, and that was the thing that I know for a fact, giants, giants brass in the press box, watching games would see, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams not out there, whether Leonard Williams was not out there for the injury or they had gone for a little bit of a rest on the sideline. You just knew, I mean, they were just gashed. You know, the the run defense wasn't great when those guys were on the field because of other deficiencies. But the fact that they had to play a lot of guys very young, you know, Henry Mondo, he's a practice squad guy. Ryder Anderson was an undrafted free agent. I mean, look, I give Ryder Anderson a lot of credit for the snaps that he was able to get on this team last year as an undrafted rookie. But, you know, it'd be good to take a step back from those guys. And like you said, um, you get caught. Do you want to take your two best defensive linemen off the field? You're right. not going to do it for an extended period of time. Of course. But you also have to know your guys. I mean, there was a time last year where Dexter Lawrence did hit a little bit of a lull. I mean, a very small lull in an outstanding all-pro season, but there was a little lull. So you figure, if you're Andre Patterson, and he talked about on Tuesday, the idea of, sure, of course I'd like to reduce their snaps. Because the theory is, if you reduce their snaps, they're even more effective with the snaps that you give them. So um, I think they got a steal in Sean Robinson if he's healthy, mm-hmm. if he could stay on the field, I know he's been very, he's been limited in the spring. I believe that was calculated. I think that was the plan to bring him back, slow, you know, slowly let him get his feet under him. Don't push him. Plus those guys aren't banging heads around uh, in the spring. It'll be interesting to see those two guys on the field and how they coexist. And I asked Dre Patterson that on Tuesday, can they go coexist or is this a duplication effort? You know, if I'm thinking, if I'm, if I'm Wink Martindale, boy, if I'm going against a running team, I, I want to see Dexter Lawrence and Ashawn Robinson on the field together, and then I want to say, okay, you try to run on me, you yeah. know, and let's see if you can do it. Uh, so, yeah, in theory, they reduce their snaps. I think in opening night against the Cowboys. <laughs> They're probably not taking many plays off. Well, you pick we, your spots, right? Right. <laughs> Thursday night against San Francisco, 
probably not going to play 90% of the snaps on defense or the Arizona game before it. That's when their snaps get reduced. Bingo. A little bit. You hit it. All right. Uh, a few more defense here. Art. How do you think the Giants going to work their sub packages this year? You know, last year we saw like four or five safeties on the field at the same yeah. time. One linebacker, if that, sometimes zero linebackers. I think we all think, oh, Kara Kay is going to be on the field all the time, right? Yeah. So beyond that and McKinney on the field all the time, how do you think they're going to work those third downs where wink, you know, gets out the, you know, writing pad and, and tries to figure out some crazy stuff. Is it going to be a lot of safeties again? Are we going to see a second linebacker, mostly corners? How do you think they're going to work that this year? Very interesting. I think um, a couple guys are, are key in, in that whole alignment thing. Deontay Banks, does he develop into that uh, CB2 where yeah. he's the guy on the boundary, that there's no mixing and matching, where he's there, a Dory's on the other side, and you're not worrying about you know, moving guys around because then that frees up a guy like Nick McLeod, who I think is one of the most underrated players on this team. Not only what he can give in special on special teams, but just the versatility. I mean, um, one of the coaches said it the other day, you know, when they were in London, they finished the game with Nick McLeod on one side, you know, and McLeod was doing the, you know, and Justin Lane, I think, on the other side. I think Jerome Henderson. That's a name. About I, I forgot about that name. Uh, he didn't even finish the season with yeah. the Giants. Uh, but Nick McLeod is definitely a guy I think works into that that package. Um, I think they'll have a heavy package, and I think they'll have a coverage package. Yeah. I think you'll see safety packages where uh, Jason Pinnock and uh, Dane Belton will be on the field with McKinney. And then maybe you throw a, a Nick McLeod in that group, so now you have that four. Maybe McLeod drops down and plays in the slot. Sure. Um, I think another guy that that's important in this mix is Darnay Holmes. And I, I'm going to throw Cordell Flott in that mix too, because I think yes. those guys are in a competition. Yeah, to yeah. be honest with Cordell, you, Cordell, Cordell, and and you know what, Darnay's up against it a little bit. I know we we usually st- you know you don't want to go in the weeds too much, but. No, Look, go weeds, please. Darnay, we Darnay's facing, on face value, Darnay's facing the same thing that Darius Slayton did last year. He played a lot of snaps. He got a bump in pay because of the the playtime percentages. He's staring at a cap hit, I believe, around $2 million last I checked. If he's not winning that battle with Cordell Flott, it's going to be a tough conversation with Darnay Holmes, who's a respected guy, yeah. especially in the defensive room. Not good, He's friendly, good with, yeah. friendly with a lot of the guys. They they kind of went away from Darnay a little bit down the stretch last season. Like you said, the sub packages, let's see the way they work. So that is definitely something to watch, that if Cordell Flott can become a guy that they're relying on, and again, it goes back to Tay Banks. If Banks is locking up on the outside, then you're not worried about putting Flott out there. Right. Now you try to have Flott win matchups inside you know when the eagles put aj brown in the slot you want a guy like cordell flock could be in the slot you know you're not looking for a smallish guy he's put on weight i think he looks looks bigger this year um obviously he's not going to be huge but i I do think flot is a key guy here and uh, i agree with you okarake's there the other guy i know it's a long answer the other guy in sub packages that i would keep an eye on is darian beavers if he's healthy I think Wink would love to have him as that secondary guy where, you know what, Darian, go. You know, blitz, you know, he's doing the blitzing. Okereke is dropping in coverage. Now you feel comfortable enough to have, you know, you have guys all over the place. You know, you have Aziz on one side, Kayvon on the other. And Darian Beavers is the guy who's blitzing from that slot spot 
from the place where last year, you know, you saw Landon Collins make some plays in that spot. Um, I think that's kind of where these sub packages stand right now. Uh, just guessing because, you know, look, Wink will go into his, um, his Monday meetings. I'm trying to remember what the M was for his meetings, but uh, I think it was mayhem mayhem. Yeah. Uh, his mayhem right. meetings on Monday nights where they would just draw everything up and, you know, try to figure it out. But I think that's kind of where we're looking at. All right. Final one on the defense. Then one more before we say goodbye here, Art. Um, edge players. How do you, what do you think the Ojolari Thibodeau combo might look like this year? You know, Ojolari didn't play a lot last year, but when he did, he was really effective. And, and, and Thibodeau came on at the end of the season, as you well know. It, it is amazing that this team, uh, they looked at the roster, they assessed every position. And I don't disagree with it. They looked at edge and they said, yeah, we like what yeah, we we're had good. last year. They cave on Aziz. They brought back Hottie. Yep. They brought back O'Shane. Yep. Um, and O'Shane Zimmerman. Tamon Fox, too, by the way. Tamon Fox. Last year. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and Haba, who is the rookie. You know, I'm not even going to. Uh, Maldonado. Baldonado, yes. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is a big year for Aziz. I think that's obvious. But physically, I think. You know, you remember last year he, he worked so hard in the month between the spring and training camp and came back and started on pup because he, you know, his lower body, he was having soft tissue issues because he was just pushing so hard. I would take Darren Waller and Aziz Ojolari, put them in the same room, have Fitz go in there and just basically tell them, look, this is what you're doing the next month. We are not having you come back for training camp with soft tissue stuff. Yeah. Because I think that's kind of where it is. But, you know, I asked yesterday, yesterday uh, on Tuesday, I asked um, Drew Wilkins, the outside linebackers coach, you know, you already have one player on this defense that opponents are gearing towards. That's obviously Dexter Lawrence. How close is Kayvon to becoming that guy? And I'm not saying that he's going to be an all pro, but can Kayvon get consistent enough within his skill set to be the guy that well, we got to watch out for that game wrecker? There have been moments, we've all seen them. Can Kayvon be consistent enough this year where he's making those plays to force defenses to send focus towards him? They did it some last year. I think that is a huge key for that edge group. Uh, but it starts with Kayvon and Aziz's health. And then everything else kind of supplements off of that. All right, final one. We left it for last. Fans are tired of hearing about it. When all is said and done, what does this thing look like with with Saquon? I think one. I think they. I think he's here. I think he gets. They get a deal on July seventeenth. I think um, long term. Long term. Yep. I think it'll probably sit right around those numbers that uh, have all been bandied about. Where those numbers are coming from, I still debate whether, you know, Saquon believes it's the Giants. Uh, There are people who believe it's coming from Saquon's people, not directly from Saquon, but it's out there. Uh, I think that the guarantees will be uh, a little bit above or right at what it would be if he got back-to-back franchise tags, which is around $22 million. I think one of the sticking points is probably to have that $22 million paid out over the first two years, because if you franchise tag him for two years in a row, he gets that 22 million. If you now want to spread that 22 million cash value over 
a four-year contract, then he's not seeing that money until later. So I think maybe that's one. Now, obviously, cap figures, you can spread it out, but as long as cap, the cash yes. is in the pocket. That's why, right? yeah, that, obviously, that, mm-hmm. that's why I say cash, not cap. Yep. Um, I think, obviously, the Giants want a longer-term deal to spread the cap hits out. Exactly. Uh, but I think Joe Shane ultimately will give a little, and I think Saquon will have to give more than that his representatives in order to get a deal done. I think ultimately it makes too much sense. Uh, He can't sit out this season. It's just not possible. Uh, And I don't think the giants will, will move much. I think they'll move some, but I don't think they're going to all of a sudden offer him $15 million a year and say, say, you're right. We didn't respect you. We want you here. I think they were very calculated. You listen to Brandon Brown and what he talked about the other day, how, their approach to every free agent and not just the guys outside the building, but inside the building, you know, they've taken their time. I mean, Joe Shane has shown in his year and change as a general manager is that he's pretty meticulous in terms of what the values he sets for the players that he want, that he knows the team needs position value matters. We've talked about that at nauseum, right? Um, and I do think that ultimately they will come to a deal because I believe the Giants are not looking to force Saquon Barkley out of the building. They want him here. I think Saquon wants to be here, and I think ultimately they'll each give a little. Saquon maybe more than the Giants, and I think he will be here. Does it linger into training camp? I just don't know if that's what Saquon wants. I don't know if he wants that. I think, I think he wants to be here. I think it was evidence that he went with his guys out to Arizona. I think he's going to train with Daniel Jones in the next couple of weeks when they get back on the field. So I think he's here. I don't buy the doom and gloom. I've seen enough of these contract negotiations to 2015 Eli Manning. There was this idea, you know, Eli felt he had to come out and say he didn't want to be the highest paid player in the league uh, as quarterback. And then he, he signed it. Uh, John Mara coming out, telling JPP to come home. I mean, all these things that I remember. And the one final thing about Saquon and whatever bad blood might be with the Giants. John, you remember OCU Manura. (laughs) I mean, he essentially called the general manager of the Giants, Jerry Reese, a liar in legal papers. And at OC's retirement press conference, they laughed about it. They left. OC retired a Giant. He came here. He's a legend in this building. He can walk in anytime he wants to come over from London. Uh, I think ultimately Saquon will come back. I think the feelings will be will be fine, and they'll go out and and he'll try to be Saquon, the Saquon that he believes he is, and the Giants believe that he can be. Uh, so that that's where it's at. Could I be surprised? Sure, but I think ultimately, I think that's where it's going to end up. Art, right, good stuff. Thanks, John. Art Stapleton from the record. Uh, Tell people about your podcast, by the way. Ah, podcast. All in with Art Stapleton. You have been a guest several times. Uh, We did an interview with Darren Waller on Tuesday after practice. Uh, To me, it was not just about what he can be on the field, but who he is off the field. Check it out on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, I really enjoyed doing it. It was our hundredth episode. Oh, nice. So uh, it was it was cool, and Waller was a great interview. So check it out. All right, everybody. Thanks for being with us. Thank you to Art, and we'll see you next time on the Giants Huddle Podcast.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.